It is my pleasure to introduce to you a speaker who really doesn't need to be introduced. Our speaker tonight has been a part of your life for the past nine months, if not for the past 18 years. Some of you soccer players know him as Coach Morton. Some of you, or all of you students, know him as the Bible teacher, Mr. Morton. And all of us know him as Cole's dad. Johnny was born in England and grew up in Miami and Valdosta. He graduated from Mercer University and received the Master's of Biblical Study at Trinity International. Johnny married a local girl, Carla Kemper, and they have been married for 31 years. They have three sons, Zach, who was in the class of 2004, who now, now resides in his heavenly home. Kemper, class of 2009, who, was move, who will be moving to Chicago shortly to join the professional world. And then there's Cole, who sits in the red tonight, who will be heading to UGA shortly. Johnny spent 20 years in youth ministry at several different churches. In the past 15 years, he has been the, de the department head of our Bible department. Johnny teaches several Bible classes. He teaches project lead, coaches soccer. He's a senior advisor. And Johnny actually taught my daughter how to write a budget. And I'm, for that, I'm very thankful. <laughs> Carly and Johnny both wrote together a book, Furious Love, which is based on their son, Zach. Johnny has a true passion and a love for his students. He is a gifted teacher. All you have to do is watch how the seniors interact with him to know how much they adore him. Last year, Mr. Morton received a letter from one of his former players and students who said he wanted to be a coach and a teacher just like Johnny because of the influence that Johnny had. Mr. Morton, Johnny, has impacted the lives of each student in here and therefore has, has inspired and encouraged us parents. Johnny, we thank you. You are a blessing. It is such a nice position to be in here. First of all, I want to thank you for the chance. Um, it was a, it's a great honor to come and be here tonight. A couple of weeks ago, I did a wedding in North Carolina, and one thing the bride told me beforehand, really in the months beforehand, she said, I want a short ceremony. Ten minutes, no more. I told her she was crazy, Then once I got up there, it's all in my hands, and it'll be as long as I decide it should be. I tried to cater to her, and I did. I kept it short. I tried to focus on just one thing, and afterwards, Chris Childers came to me and said, man, that was great. It was short. He said, short and sweet. He says, that's what you need to do because really nobody remembers anything you say anyway. So I will try to be short and sweet tonight. And if anything, I want you to remember four words, and that's it. Hopefully you can do that. Do justice, no regrets. Do justice, no regrets. In the passage that Barron shared with us just a minute ago, God is talking about the restoration of his people. He talks about those who trust in him, 
those who put their lives in his hands, will never regret it. Charlie Chase, uh, I was sharing with them the other day, Friday, we were talking about what I was going to be talking about. Is Charlie here? No, I guess he's worn out from this morning. Um, he was sharing a story with me, and as you know, Dr. Chase, he has lots and lots of stories. And when I told him I was going to be talking about no regrets, he automatically assumed it was one of his stories that it was based on. And, and I had to tell him, I'm sorry, Charlie, it wasn't. And I thought about using this story, but I decided not to. So, Charlie, I apologize, but I do appreciate the story. Sainer shared that, and most of you know, that our oldest son, Zach, attended FPD and unfortunately passed away his senior year. In the months afterwards, one of the greatest blessings that God gave to Carla and I was just being able to look back over Zach's life to look at the decisions we had made about what he was able to do and what he couldn't do, about the surgeries and even about that last surgery, and not have any regret about any decision we had. You know, so many times when you lose a child, it's, it's sudden, it's quick, and you hear these stories of parents and they regret not being able to say something to them, they regret the last thing they said to them. And one of the greatest gifts God gave us was we had no regrets. As we look back, there was nothing we would have changed. And so out of that, it came sort of a theme for our family, this idea of no regrets. And as you notice, it's not a typo in the uh, bulletin where regrets ends with a Z. That's to honor Zach. The FPD mission statement, I guess I should quiz you all on that, to educate and equip students to change the world for God's glory. Several years ago, as we were going through a SACS accreditation, afterwards the department heads had a chance to meet with some of the teachers that were there doing the survey. And one of them asked a question that, to be honest, none of us really had an answer for. And they said, hey, everything we see at your school goes towards building on that mission. But how do you know you succeeded? How do you know that you've done that? You know, one of the hardest things, I was in youth ministry, I guess I'm still in youth ministry, was in, in so many jobs you do, man, you see those tangible results. If you're a salesperson, man, you can see those sales figures. If you're a doctor, it's all your patients that you see and the lives that you change because of that. But working with teenagers, you don't necessarily see the immediate results. And the question becomes, man, what are they doing five years down the road and ten years down the road? And that's when you begin to see the fruit of what you've done. And so, apologizing to the board and Mr. Thompson, if I would probably add another E to our mission statement to educate, to equip, so that you'll be engaged in the world that we send you out into. We educate and equip you not to just sit on the sidelines, not to just wander through life aimlessly, but to engage the world that we set you loose in. 
to see you make a difference. What do we need you to engage in? And that brings us to that first thing, to do justice. It's one of my favorite passages because it's so simple. What do I do? How should I come before God? And he goes on with all these other things. And finally he says, he's told you, oh man, what is good? Do what the Lord requires of you. Do justice. Love kindness. Walk humbly before your God. So what we ask you to do is to do justice. What does that mean? When you read the book of Genesis, in the very beginning, when God had finished creating this incredible world for us to enjoy and for us to live in, he looked at everything and he said, it is good. And there's a word that's used to describe the situation then. The word is shalom. Now we think of it, we think the word just means peace. We think of it as a greeting. You hear it often in the Middle East. Shalom or salam. Both as a way of saying hello and also a way of saying goodbye. But it is so much more than that. Sort of hard to describe, but really what that word shalom means, it means a state where everything can flourish the way that God designed it to. Where everything we need to be what God called us to be, we have. That's what it was in the beginning. Adam and Eve were set loose in this garden. They had everything they needed. They lacked nothing to do what God had called them to do. And then we know the story. Sin came into the world, and the shalom of God was broken. And so our task now is to rebuild that. What does shalom look like? It is that place where all the boundaries between us and God and between us and other people are done away with. Where people cannot be what God called and created them to be, that is injustice. And whether it be with worldwide problems such as the sex slave trade, extreme poverty, there's so many other problems, or whether it's just in the local school and somebody being picked on by somebody else. God has called us to right those wrongs by doing justice. And it means the things we've taught you, the things we've equipped you to do, is to now go out and make a difference in this world. You do it in your classroom, do it in your dorm room, Do it with the new people that you meet. That wherever you see injustice, wherever you see those barriers that keep people from being what God's designed and created us to be, to break those down. When Jesus died, it was not just for the future. We know some of what's ahead of us, eternity with him. We know that someday there's going to be a place that there's no more tears, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more suffering, no more sin. And yet Jesus' death is to change the world now. And we change it by doing justice. We change it by going with the gospel. 
and share the gospel of Christ with people. We do it by ministering to the homeless. We do it by going to the shelters. We do it by impacting people where we are day in and day out by doing justice. The second aspect, second two words I want you to remember is no regrets. Shared with you in the beginning that it sort of became a theme for our family. Remember when Kemper was a freshman. He was getting ready to start football, and he said, Dad, can you write me a letter? Kemper, for whatever reason, I don't know, I guess you got to learn how to deal with your children as they are. God gives you, God has a sense of humor. You think you got one figured out, and then he gives you one that's so different that it's like, God, I thought I had this worked out, but it never does, does it? And so Kemper, he did not like just sitting there and letting you talk to him. And so somewhere along the line, I started writing him notes and encouragement, and he got into that. And so he said, Dad, write me a letter. And so I remember the letter that I wrote to him. I've still got a copy of it somewhere. And we talked about the upcoming season. Kemper took on that burden, I think, somewhat of living and doing what his brother Zach never could do. Zach loved sports more than anybody I'd ever known. Cole probably comes a close second. And yet, Zach played one year of t-ball. That's all his heart condition ever let him do. And so all through when Kemper was little, when Zach was alive, Zach was his biggest cheerleader. And Kemper, I know, played for Zach. He didn't just play for himself. He had an older brother that he played for. And so as we were talking and I was writing this letter and I was thinking about what to say, I just reminded him of that and to embrace that. I said, let your goal be this, that at the end of every practice, the end of every game, you look back and you have no regrets. You don't think, I should have run harder. I should have tried more. I shouldn't have taken that playoff. I said, let it be your goal at the end of every game this year that if I ask you, Kemper, do you have any regrets? Man, you can say with integrity, I have no regrets. And so I signed off the letter, no regrets. And that became a theme. And over the years, I've continued to send him notes and to write him. And we always end it the same way, no regrets. It became such a part of his life. Yes, Mr. Sherry, he has a tattoo on his wrist right here. This is no regrets. It's that reminder that each night, man, if you can put your head on your pillow as you think back over the day and have no regrets, man, it has been a good day. Now, Isaiah tells us, he says, those who trust in the Lord will not regret it. As you know from our story, Trusting God doesn't mean that life is easy. 
In fact, it is often the way that God molds us and builds us and changes our characters to put us in tough situations in life. Some of you have been through those. But I can honestly say that it's those hard things that God has brought me through that has really given me my faith today. If I had a prayer for you, it would be this. As you head out of here and head off to your different schools and try to figure out what the heck is it that God wants you to do, what is it that God's equipped you to do, what is it that he's gifted you to do, man, that you find your meaning and purpose in being his instrument of justice. Whether it's inviting a homeless person to lunch, sitting down with a friend that you know is hurting and just listening to them, maybe adopting a child in a foreign country, continuing the legacy of community service that you've done so well here, do justice. And that as you face the myriad decisions that you have to make this year, decisions that can have huge impacts on the rest of your life, that after every decision you make, big or small, you can look back and say, no regrets. That each night when you lay down and you review your day, you can say, no regrets. That in four years, hopefully, as you look back over your college years, you say, no regrets. There are so many of us older folks in here. that look back on so many things that we do regret. An action taken, a word spoken, a word not spoken, a decision made that if we had a chance to do it again, we might make a different decision. But you are in a place where that is all still to be written. I love this song, I guess God, it's no accident. The song, Come Thou Found of Every Blessing. I remember when I was young, I thought it had something to do with Christmas because it talked about Ebenezer. And the only Ebenezer I ever knew, ever heard of was Ebenezer Scrooge, so it must be a Christmas song of some sort. I couldn't figure out exactly why. It wasn't until I was older that I actually learned what an Ebenezer was. Without going into a long explanation, think of it, it is a marker. It is a monument to something that God has done with you. I wrote a blog not long ago talking about some of the Ebenezers in my life. One of them is this bow tie. Last summer, I lost a precious friend. 
a godly man named Tommy Kanzler, and his trademark was his bow tie. In fact, this is one of his bow ties I'm wearing tonight. And every morning, whenever I decide I'm going to wear a bow tie, I know I don't often wear ties, y'all, but occasionally I do. Man, I think about him as I'm tying it. And it reminds me of a man who was an incredible dad, a loving husband, and a great friend. Is one of my Ebenezer's. Is one of those markers that reminds me of who I am and who God wants me to be. I've got another one, and it's here, and some of you see it. It's just a simple rubber bracelet. And on the front, it says, no ju- it says, do justice. And it's based on that Micah passage. And on the back, it says, no regrets. Man, I would love to be able to stand up here and say that I've always done justice and I have no regrets, but in integrity, I can't say that. There are things I wish I had done. There are things I wish I hadn't done. There's opportunities I've missed to be God's instrument of justice in both big and small ways. This is one of my Ebenezer's. Do justice and have no regrets. Do justice. And have no regrets. Man, that is my prayer for you. Man, that we're going to set you loose on a world that is in desperate need of men and women who take on that challenge of changing the world by doing justice, by righting the wrongs that are out there. A man at the end of their life, as they look back over the spectrum of it, they can say, I have no regrets. I love you. You've been a part of my life for a long time. You are the friends and colleagues of my youngest. And a lot of who he is today is because of you and the impact that you've made in his life. And I say thank you. And I promise to pray for you. I hope I remember your name in five years. But as we get older, we're terrible at that. (laughs) Be honest, teachers. We don't remember all of them. We remember the faces. But know that I love you. I mean, I want God's best for you. One of my favorite passages, and I'll end with that. Because this is what I'm going to be praying for you. I figure Paul prayed it, so it must be pretty good. It's from Ephesians 3. It says, I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with his inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down deep into God's love and keep you strong. 
And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ that it was too great to understand fully. And then you will be made complete with all the fullness, the shalom of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Let's pray. Father, I love you. God, I just thank you for the the life and calling that you've given me. God, to me, there is no greater joy, there is no more greater privilege. And God, to pour my life into young men and women. God, thank you for that privilege you've given me. God, I pray for these young women and men right now. God, I pray that as they leave us to go out into the world, to their universities and colleges, that, God, you will guard them and protect them. God, there is evil out there who would seek to detour them. He prowls around like a hungry lion seeking whom he can devour. And yet the one we serve, God, has already conquered him. I thank you for your promise that there is nothing that can separate us from your love, not even ourselves, God. God, do a work in their lives, I pray. God, to those that are yours, draw them closer. Bring them to an intimacy with you that they've never thought possible. That, God, they can know your heart and your mind. And, Father, for those that are still searching for their purpose and their place, God, draw them to you. God, turn their hearts to you. Turn their minds to you. Do a work in them. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.